So uh, let's stand up and worship our risen king, all right?
our service when we're going to be doing communion. If you've never been to Grace before, how we do communion is we are dismissed down the sides. Then we come back up in the middle and in your seat area, we will have you find a group of people. We're going to all pray together and you can uh, just pray for those emblems and really just focus on what God has done for you and that sacrifice that Jesus made. You're a good, good father. 
It's like to declare your promise, my soul now to sing. So what can I say? So what can I say? What could I do? But offer this heart of So what can I say? So what can I say? What could I do? But offer this heart of Oh, oh, oh. 
ti Shetty at home. It would have been helpful getting up here past the <laughs> jungle we have. Hey, this is the time in our service where we, uh, we continue our worship, and our kids get dismissed to Sunday school, uh, which Abby has already run out the door. Follow her. Uh, if you're a child, uh, kindergarten on up to sixth grade, we have a fantastic uh, Sunday school service uh, waiting for you just over there. It's also the time in our service where we fill out our welcome cards. When you look in the little seat pockets in front of you, you'll find a welcome card. Please fill that out, and the ushers will come forward in a minute and collect those. And this is also the time uh, in our service okay. where we continue our worship with our tithes. And I was, you know, as we kind of, you know, it's Easter Sunday. We're all going to go home and have a big meal uh, at our house. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Jewish Messiah with a ham. Uh, Jim, I'll be texting you pictures of it along the way. But all these things we have as, as we get together in our homes, as we celebrate, uh, and we just really have a wonderful time with our families, uh, we reflect upon the fact that all this stuff we have, all these wonderful blessings, family, friends, a church body like this that cares for us, that's all from God. Everything we have is from God. And so yeah, when we tithe, we you, do Lord. that in recognition, in full recognition, that everything we have comes from God. And so Scripture tells mm-hmm. us that everything we have comes from God, and God asks us to be faithful and give 10% of that back. And that's all our tithes are. It's a, it's a continual recognition in our lives of everything that God has done for us, provided for us, not just financial, uh, but our friends and our families and all the blessings in our lives. So meditate on that as you're thinking about your tithes, as you're filling that out, that this is a celebration and a recognition of where our blessings come from or from, where, from whence our blessings come. Um, and with that, I will pray, and the ushers will come forward and uh, receive our tithes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessings mm-hmm. that you give us, Lord, uh, that we don't deserve. Uh, I thank you for your son, Lord, uh, and his resurrection that enables uh, really the rebirth and resurrection of our own souls, Lord, that we're dead to you and now can be alive. I thank you for these blessings, Lord. Resurrection. And I pray a blessing on my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they are faithful in their tithing, Lord, and as they recognize the source of all their blessings. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Pastor Frank. Amen.
Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. I'm kind of exhausted from last night. If you watched uh, this March Madness stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm sure Governor Walker is really appreciating the fact that Wisconsin won, you know, since he's the governor of Wisconsin. And has he said, has he mentioned yet that he's running for president? Has he? Not yet, huh? Who's he trying to kid? You know? So, well, this is going to be a different type of a message. I think it'll be okay. I think you're going to be glad you're here. But I'm going to warn you, I'm going to turn the boat a few times. So you're going to have to stay with me. You're going to have to really concentrate. There's no dozing off. But listen. You, you know what I noticed? I noticed since Michael became a, a dad, his voice got deeper. <laughs> Notice that, Jim? That happened to you. When you first had Johanna, your voice got deeper. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I didn't hear. That yeah, was fat for you. Why are you laughing? Same thing happened to you. Okay, let's get serious. In John 2, verse 18. Then the Jews demanded of him, of Jesus, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he, had, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that before he died by crucifixion, he proclaimed that three days after he died that he would be raised from the dead. It was, it was something he said. And people probably wondered, how can that be? What are you talking about? They just didn't understand. Now, I want to begin this message by making sure that we're all on the same page. I know most of you, but let's make sure we're all on the same page. Okay? Now, based upon the Bible, can we all agree, not yet, on these four points? On these four points. Number one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Can we all agree that there is only one true God, and He is the King of the universe? Yes. Can we all agree? Yes. Come on, raise your hand if you're in agreement. Okay, good. Number two, can we all agree that God, the King of the universe, is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful? Are you in agreement? Raise your hand. Yes. Okay, good. We're together so far. Halfway done. Can we all agree that Jesus, who was supernaturally conceived by the Virgin Mary, was born in a very small town in Israel called Bethlehem? You agree? Okay, we're together so far. Number four, can we all agree that Jesus Christ... Now listen, before I finish this, I want to read some scripture. And then if you're all in agreement... You can raise your hand. Number four, can we all agree that Jesus Christ is God who was made visible? But again, before you, um, you answer that, let's consider Colossians 2.9 and 1 Timothy 3.16. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ lives the fullness of God in human form. Now, 1 Timothy 3.16 to get a good meaning of what this means, we're going to look at different versions. NIV says, He appeared in a body. First, in a King James says, God 
was manifest in the flesh. In the Amplified, it says, He, God, was made visible in human flesh. In the TLB, it says, God, who came to earth as man. And in the complete Jewish Bible, it says, He was manifested physically. So, can you agree with me that Jesus Christ is God, who was made visible? Because God is a spirit. Can you all agree with me? Raise your hand for your agreement. Now, this is important. Okay, so we're on the same page. Yes. Now I can continue. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful day when we can worship you and commemorate the fact that our Savior rose from the dead. God, I pray that I speak very clear and that my friends here would understand and that if there would be proper action, it would be taken. God, move on our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Smarty pants. Next, next slide. Now, don't say nothing yet. There's always one that's got to prove that they know the answer to everybody else. Don't say nothing yet. Which can God not do? Make a donkey speak Spanish? Make it snow or in Orlando, Florida? Tell a lie? Or turn water into Folgers coffee? Which one can... See, there, I knew there would be one. <laughs> Which one can God not do? Come on. You're right. God cannot tell a lie. He can do those other things. He cannot tell a lie. Let's first look at the first few sentences of Paul's letter to Titus because they bring out an important truth about God. So hang in here with me. In Titus 1 verse 3, now I'm going to read this out of a paraphrased version. It says, it says I, Paul, am God's slave and Christ's agent for promoting the faith among God's chosen people, getting out the accurate word of God and how to respond to it. My aim is to raise Hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life God promised long ago. And he doesn't break promises. And he doesn't break promises. And he doesn't break promises. And then, when the time was ripe, he went public with this truth. I've been entrusted to proclaim the message by order of our Savior, God himself. I like the way he says, our Savior, who is the Savior? Jesus Christ, our Savior, God himself. Did Paul think the Savior was God? Absolutely. Now, fact is this. God is the only being who cannot tell a lie. In fact, God is not capable of lying because of his holy character. And the fact that God knows everything. If God spoke right now and said, Frank, right behind you, there's a penguin. And he's pink. And he has purple polka dots. I'm telling you, I would turn, if he said that, I would turn around. And you know what I would find? Just what he said. Because by his, by his very word, the creative word, it would be that. God cannot lie. In Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. So you can't, in your prayer life, you can't say, you cannot say, Oh, God, I hope you understand this. Hey, stop it. God understands everything. There's no limit. In 1 John three eighteen, Dear children, let us not love with words, or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our and, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, He knows everything. He knows everything. You know, through history, history, of mankind. 
God has developed a testimony. And his testimony is that everything in the past that he said would happen, guess what? It's happened. This is the testimony of God. He says it's going to happen. It happens. Now, it may not happen in man's idea of when something should happen, but it's going to happen. In our lifetime, we have seen, in my lifetime, I have seen things happen that, that the world had said, how can it happen? Just the fact that there is an Israel today. That God said that he would bring these people back from the four corners of the earth and plant them back in this ancient land which God gave them. How can that be? They're scattered all over the place. It happened. It happened. It seems like it happened in the twinkling of an eye. It was so quick. And many other things have happened. God knows the past, the present. He knows the future. He knows everything. And his testimony is he's kept all his promises. Now, our minds might slip with age. And our attitudes about things might change with time. But that's not the case with God Almighty. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, here's another fact. You can take this to the bank. God has never gone back on any of his promises. In other words, God's testimony is that he has never lied and he has never made a mistake. So God has never lied nor made a mistake. Say that with me. God has never lied or made a mistake. Now, if you really believe that, say it like you believe it. God has never lied nor made a mistake. This is the testimony of God Almighty. He's never lied nor made a mistake. I sometimes think he did. But I'm not God. I don't have that mind. And, and the fact is, God doesn't make mistakes. I mean, I never would have chosen the Jewish people. They don't fall in line so easy. They always want to start something new. I'd have chose the Chinese. Something like that. I don't know. God doesn't make mistakes. Now I'm going to turn the boat. Okay? Stay with me. One of the many features of the Bible is that there are many statements about the, the qualities and the attributes of God Almighty. And often the scriptures will speak prophetically what he will do in the future. For example, being raised from the dead. Consider this. Jesus, who is God, manifest in the flesh, always told the truth. Always told the truth, even though it meant putting himself in extreme danger. For example, I would have loved to have been there and seen this take place. In Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, Jesus is talking to these folks. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything, and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to, uh, to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Can you imagine? They're listening to him. Eyeball to eyeball. He's not sending them a text. This is eyeball to eyeball. Now, if you were, if you were being called these things... Could you feel your fists coming up? Being talked to like that? You're not used to being talked to like that. You're one of the religious folks. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You blind tombs for the prophets uh, and, and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves 
that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the sin of your forefathers. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Whoa! Listen to me. Even though it was the truth, that conversation didn't make any friends. And knowing human nature, the recipients of that scolding probably wanted to kill him. At least, or at least beat the snot out of him. I mean, they took it. Now, Jesus didn't just say something. He kept on and on and on. Oh, he always told the truth. Even though his life may be. But then again, he knew they weren't going to come at him. I'm turning the boat again. Stay with me. You know, Satan tried to tempt Jesus, but he was totally unsuccessful. And that's because God cannot be tempted. Even tempted to tell a little lie. Now, with mankind, the potential for personal gain or evil desires are a huge motivation to lie. But that would never, ever affect Jesus. The two extremes of this message are truth and lies. Switch, Jeff. Switch. Again, there we go. Truth and lies. With God, there is always truth. And with Satan, there are always lies. Two extremes. Truth, always truth, and always lies. Picture this. Jesus was talking to some who were protesting uh, that he was what he was proclaiming. And although what he said was the truth, again, I'm sure it didn't bless them. Let's read about this. Again, he was in John 8.44. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's the father of lies. Now he's speaking of, of Satan. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. He always told the truth. Well, Frank, why does Satan lie anyways? Why is that? Well, simply speaking, he and his fallen angels lie because they want humans to believe their falsehoods. And eventually be damned because they made their choice to reject the truth of God. In other words, Satan does not want people to believe the testimony of Jesus. He wants people to either um, believe nothing, nothing, or have a false hope. And we read about this in 1 John 5. Let's read this. 1 John 5, verse 6, out of the message. Jesus, the divine Christ, he experienced a life-giving birth and death-killing and death-killing death. Not only birth from the womb, but baptismal birth of his ministry and the sacrificial death. And all, and all the while, the Spirit is confirming the truth, the reality of God's presence at Jesus' baptism and crucifixion bringing those occasions alive for us. A triple testimony. The spirit, the baptism, the crucifixion. And the three in perfect agreement. If we take human testimony at face value, how much more should we be reassured when God gives testimony as he does here, testifying concerning his son? Whoever believes in the son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Whoever refuses to believe in effect calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his son. This is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. The, son is in the, the, the life is in the son, and whoever has the son has life. Whoever rejects the son rejects life. This is a scary, scary, scary scripture. God gives us a testimony. We have a testimony. We have a testimony of, of him. And he tells the truth. Satan tells lies. He tells the truth. But yet there are those that say, I don't believe that truth. But God is saying, you don't believe my truth. 
It's, it's like calling me a liar. I don't lie. Get your, it's like calling me a liar. No one wants to call. Even if, let me tell you, anybody in their right mind, even if they got half a mind, why would you consider even, someone says, I don't know if there's a God or not, but if there's a God, I ain't calling him a liar. I mean, who would want to call God a liar? And he's saying, you don't believe my testimony. It's as if you're calling me a liar. Why would you do that? Especially when part of his testimony is, he says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So on your way to heaven or hell, you're going to confess the truth. That yes, he is Lord. Now listen to what Jesus proclaimed to, to, to Martha. In John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, he said, now listen, this is important. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now who said this? Jesus. Jesus, God, manifest in the flesh. Jesus, this, who cannot lie, who will not lie. He says, he proclaims that he is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him will live, even though he dies. You're never really dead, 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 kaput, when you believe in Christ. When you put your faith and trust in him. Because you go on to live. You go on to live with him for all eternity. Then he says, do you believe this? In other words, do you believe I'm telling the truth? Or am I just telling a a lie? Can you believe me? I can believe him. The bottom line is you really believe this. Do you believe this? Do you really believe those who believe in Jesus enough to surrender their lives to his lordship will never die and will live with him in heaven? Do you really believe this? Now, If you're certain that God cannot tell a lie, this is important. If you're certain that God cannot tell a lie, then you can be certain of Christ's resurrection. And you can be certain that when you breathe your last breath, you will go on to live in that place where God has prepared for you in heaven. You can be certain. You don't have to hope it. You can be certain. Because it's a fact. Because God said it. And he doesn't lie. You don't have to wish. You don't have to say, well, we'll see what happens. You can be certain it's going to happen. So the question is, do you believe in the testimony of Jesus Christ? It's either yes or no. Think about this. Do you believe in his testimony? Yes or no? If it's anything in between, it's a no. God can't lie. And if he says something, even though it doesn't register in your mind, you have to understand God doesn't think like you. It's either yes or no. I believe God's testimony. Or I don't. Are you certain that Jesus rose from the dead like he said he would? If you say, I'm not certain, then you don't believe the testimony. You believe that God can lie. See, to believe God. So many believers, I don't think they really believe God like they say they do. I can't tell you how many people when I'm traveling, they say, I pray God be with you. Stupid. That's a stupid prayer. Don't ever pray that for me. Why is that? Because he promised. He said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. You don't have to have faith in that. It's a certainty. It's a fact. Are you hearing me? Yes. You don't have to go buy some little metal and wear it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's a certainty. He said it. He doesn't lie. You say, oh, I can't feel him. It makes no difference. He doesn't lie. So many things depend upon God not telling a lie. 
Now, if you do believe in his resurrection, the question for you is this. Have you allowed God to become your savior and the one who calls the shots in your life? Today is a day that many people will attend a a congregation, a church, because it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. And it's nice. But I question whether they really believe God cannot tell a lie. Because their lives aren't lived that. If you believe God can't tell a lie, that's going to change your life. Because all of a sudden, your words will change. Because there's judgment. Your actions will change. Things will change in your life. Because God gives us something to do. Sort of as proof of us being believers. Tithing's one of them, actually. Attending services is another one. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together or some are in a habit of doing. He tells us all these things, what not to do and what to do. And we know his desire is that we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, do you believe God or not? The fact is, does he tell a lie? Does he not tell lies? There may be someone here who has never really, you're not sure you're heaven bound. You're just not sure. And let me tell you something. God wants you to be sure that you belong to him. If I say, are you going to heaven? If you said, well, I sure hope so. What do you mean you hope so? He tells us what it takes to become a child of God. He tells us what it takes to be brought into the kingdom of God. You either believe him or you don't. If you're not sure, you better make sure. This is a good day to make sure. So somebody here, or few of you, may not be sure. This is a good day to be sure. After the service, I'm going to have the elders come forward. And then if you're not sure... Come on up and talk to one of the elders, and uh, they will help you to make sure. Now, if you believe in Christ's resurrection, are you allowing him to call the shots in your life? In other words... Yeah, as you say, he was my savior, but is he your Lord? See, he wants to be the controller of your life. We sang songs about this. He wants to call the shots. And some of you have been calling your own shots. And you're not doing so hot. God wants to direct your path. He wants to make your path straight. He's got a plan and purpose for you. But unless you go his path, it's not going to happen. The bottom line is, do you believe God tells the truth or not? Personally, I think it's kind of arrogant to say, no, smart. (laughs) Now, if I were to ask, how many of you feel maybe you've been going, you've been allowing God to call the shots like you know you should, most of us, if not all of us, would raise our hands. See, that's the great Christian struggle, is to allow God to call the shots in our life. Lord, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? Do I that? See? God knows what's best for us. He's the one who knows what's around the corner. We don't. So I believe we all need to have God call the shots in our life. 
We need to surrender more to God. Every one of us. Every one of us. God wants us all to be more like his son, Jesus. So I'm not going to say who feels they need to submit to God in a greater way, because I know we all do. So let's all stand together, please.